Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands in my underwear. This is the lamb Where's the lamb yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 58. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, how is everyone doing? I hope you're all having a good week. Sorry, I'm a little bit late on the episode this week. Um, Life's hard. Uh, Yeah, I'm just like having a lot of trouble focusing and mm, having motivation to do things. So (laughs) what I think I'm going to do is for the time being, I think I need to move this podcast to an every other week format. I just don't think I have the emotional energy to keep up with the weekly format for right now at least just because I'm really struggling obviously I've had a bunch of episodes skip weeks or go out late or just things that I normally would not hold myself to these kinds of standards and I'm not happy with myself doing that I'm not happy with the the quality of those episodes I'm not happy with the quality of the episodes when I feel really rushed and I'm doing it at the last minute so I think what I want to do is move to every other week for the time being um and that'll give me some more time to just prepare and take my notes and really just take my time and relax and not have a lot of anxiety about getting things out at the last minute Um, And hopefully will give me some time to do some other projects that I want to work on. Just like personal projects, other things, and other areas of my life. Um, So yeah. So I hope you guys are cool with that. I hope you all still stick around and still listen. I really, really appreciate the fact that anyone listens to the podcast. I really love anyone like who reaches out to me. Um, That means a lot. If you message me on my Instagram specifically, I'm you know, that's the best place to reach me. What I think I'm going to try and do is to make up for the fact that I'm not going to be putting out a weekly podcast. I really want to spend more time on my podcast Insta because I really mostly just pop on there once or twice a week to like put up the new episode and answer any questions or messages or whatever that have come in. Uh, but what I want to do is try and spend more time on there, maybe try and like post I don't know, reality TV news. <laughs> I don't know. My All the reality TV that I talk about is from 10 years ago. So if anything happens to the people from like 10 years prior, I'll let you guys know. But I don't know. I'll figure it out. But yeah, I think I'm going to hang out on there more. So message me, comment on the posts. Let's see if we can like build more of an active community uh, while I take my time in between each episode. All right. So... Um, other than that, I don't really have any news for the week. I'm still just doing my thing. Work is like picked up and it's actually quite busy. I'm still going to work every day, like going into my office and, um, you know, that takes a lot out of me. I'm, I'm working quite a full day. I don't, uh, usually take a very long lunch break because I want to, I like, I like being able to leave fairly early because since, there aren't any students there that I need to like actually meet with. I can usually come in earlier than I normally do and leave earlier than I normally do and not take a long lunch break and leave even earlier than I normally do, um, which is what I've been doing for the past 
six, eight weeks, however long it's fucking been. And so that's always, that, that's been really nice. And I've, I've really enjoyed doing that. Um, but yeah, it's hard to just like have these long days where I only have a little sliver of a lunch break and it's nice getting off early, but I'm just in such a blah, blah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm depressed or if it's just this like broad global trauma that we're all experiencing, but I just, it's hard. So what was I saying? Yeah. How I don't have any news. God, this is depressing. I think I feel like I remember I had an episode that came out like two months ago, two or three months ago, who knows at this point, (laughs) where I was like, so, uh, coronavirus right like I feel like I need to mention that just because like it's in the world (laughs) now it's like three months later it's like I can't stop talking about how miserable I am in quarantine where I just go to work and then I come home every single day and I have nothing to do and yet I still have no motivation to do anything um oh here's my fun story for the week this is my news (laughs) this is my one piece of news that I am so excited to share um I was trying to free up space on my phone because I ran out of space and I didn't want to pay three or four or whatever it is, extra dollars a month to upgrade the iCloud or whatever it is. So I was like, hey, what can I delete? I don't understand what... Because I go into my iPhone storage and it's like, you know, 80% of my storage is taken up by apps. So I go through and I delete all of these useless apps that I never use, but the storage doesn't go down at all. And so I was looking at the breakdown and I realized that I had dozens to hundreds. I don't know how many there were that I went through and deleted. Probably just dozens. I don't think there were hundreds. Uh, dozens of episodes of Radio Lab dating back to like 2015. And I don't even listen to Radio Lab. I think I, I used to, I listened to it occasionally, like right when I was getting into podcasts, like back in 2014, 2015. I think I got into podcasts, like, I think it was 2014, because that was right around when Serial came out, and Serial, of course, was the thing that, like, got me into podcasts, um, so I was, like, listening to all of the, I was really into, like, the NPR shows, so I really loved This American Life, I was addicted to This American Life for a while, and I even bought, I think it was, like, a dollar or whatever, um, the specific This American Life app, which was great for a while, and then it kind of sucked, um, but I listened, I remember listening to like a couple of episodes of Radio Lab, but I was like never super into it. But I guess my dumbass subscribed to it and stayed subscribed to it. So I had all of these episodes. I went through, I deleted, it cleared up like 10 gigs of space on my phone. So that's great. So I'm feeling really awesome about all of the free space I have on my phone now. Um, but yeah, that's my, my one piece of news is that I realized I had been subscribed to Radio Lab for the last five years. All right. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and get into the episode. This week is kind of interesting. I think we're doing a show that's a different format than I think pretty much anything else that we've ever talked about before on the podcast. So this week we are talking about, I didn't know I was pregnant. So this, I mean, I would still definitely qualify this as a reality TV show, but I guess not in the sense that would normally come to mind when you say reality TV. It's a documentary style reality show, but it's also a reenactment show. So this is, I guess, kind of the first like category. It's like more, it's like a docudrama almost. It blends fiction with 
actual reality. And it's telling a real story that happened to a, a real person. Actors are just hired to reenact certain parts of it, but the real person who experienced the story is still there telling their part of it. So I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I think the only other show that I've talked about that's similar to this, and not even that similar because they didn't have the reenactment aspect, was My Strange Addiction. That's the only thing that I can really think of that was more so, this is a documentary and this is not just straight, like, mindless entertainment. This actually has some, I guess, arguable, like, some kind of educational content behind it. Which, I mean, it makes sense because both of these shows are aired on TLC, the Learning Channel. In case you didn't know, in case you're new to the game or you're, like, a younger person before it was, like, ever, like, you know, way past the time when it was ever referred to as the Learning Channel in, like, the 90s and very early 2000s. That's what TLC stands for. Um, so I used to watch I Didn't Know I Was Pregnant back when it was airing in season one. So this, it aired not only on TLC, it also aired on a channel called Discovery Fit and Health, which was, there was like all of these like spinoffs of the Discovery Channel. So Discovery Fit or Discovery Health or whatever it was. I fucking loved that channel when I was in middle school. It had all of these random shows. It had, oh my God, oh, oh, I forgot the name of the show. It's another one where it's a um, a blend, a docudrama, I guess is what I'm going to call it, where it's like a blend of reenactment and actual like talking heads of real people. Um, ER stories, untold stories of the ER. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It just came out right there. Untold, I'm pretty sure it was called Untold Stories of the ER. It was so good I loved that show when I was in high school so yeah there are all these (laughs) discovery health um shows that what was I saying how is this related I forgot how this was related um yeah I just like I used to love all things discovery health TLC so I would watch this show when it was airing back back in the day I definitely remember thinking as I was watching this that like how could some of these women not know that they were pregnant because fuck like you're pregnant like you know that the image of a pregnant person that I and pretty much anyone gets is like okay there's a person who has like a big round belly and like they have cravings they have morning sickness They are, like, swollen, like, their feet are swollen, whatever. Like, if they have breasts, those are swollen. I'm trying to be gender inclusive because trans men can be pregnant, too. Um, But, you know, it's, like, a very visibly obvious condition. So my mind was kind of blown by the concept of, like, people not knowing that they were pregnant. Um, So let's go into the background of the show. There's not a lot here. There's really not a lot here. This is probably going to be a relatively quick episode just because this is a pretty short show and then there's like no background and not a lot of where are they nows to go into. Um, But like I said, it originally aired on Discovery Fit and Health and TLC. It debuted in May May 26, 2009. So we're almost at the, what is that? 11 year anniversary I can do math I promise um it ran through October 19th 2011 and then in 2015 TLC brought it back for um special episodes called I Still Didn't Know I Was Pregnant which featured women who had had two surprise pregnancies which is horrifying (laughs) so horrifying to me that this could happen to you like not only once but a second time like 
if I ever, ever got pregnant and, like, didn't know I was pregnant to the point where I was, like, giving birth to the baby and that's when I found out that I was pregnant, I would immediately be like, just take the uterus with you because she has betrayed me. I cannot trust her and I want nothing to do with her. <laughs> um, so the show, like I said, is documentary style. It tells the story of one or more women per episode. The Let me just say that Wikipedia said two or more women, but that is definitely not true because the episode that we're talking about was all surrounding just one woman because it's kind of special. So I changed this. It's only one or more women per episode um, that didn't know she was pregnant until very, very far along in her pregnancy. Sometimes she is uh, going to give birth soon or sometimes she is like in labor when she finds out that she's pregnant sometimes she gives birth to the damn baby and doesn't realize that she was pregnant until she looks down and sees the baby so like i said it's uh it's told via reenactment segment reenactment segments with actors and talking heads with the actual people who experience the pregnancy i guess the the situation um, so there were different reasons usually that came up why a woman wouldn't know that she was pregnant. So usually there were like, there's kind of two categories in, in my experience having watched a few of these episodes. It's either the women who very obviously are pregnant, but maybe are just like, they don't have like a stereotypical basketball belly. And then women who like truly could have had no clue. So sometimes it's like, well, I was vomiting in the mornings and I like didn't get my period for a few months and I was like swollen and bloated. But you know, I just thought it was cramps and my period's always been spotty and I thought I was just having like food allergies or something like that. And then there are the women who are like, I didn't gain any weight. I didn't have any cravings whatsoever. I like could, I had no possible idea that I could have been pregnant. Um, so it's kind of wild. So th those are some of the different things that ha like happened that they didn't think. A lot of them thought that they were infertile and couldn't get pregnant. So they weren't using birth control. Um, and some of them even had like taken pregnancy tests that had come out negative, which again, these are like the situations that scare the fuck out of me. So the episode that we're going to talk about today, how I chose it, there were a lot that I wanted to choose. Um, so it was kind of me trying to decide between which route did I want to go. Did I want to talk about the women who like very obviously seemed to be pregnant and just were oblivious? Or did I want to talk about the women who truly could not have known that they were pregnant? So I ultimately chose this specific episode because it traumatized the fuck out of me when I first saw it however many years ago 10 11 years ago now um I remembered it for years afterwards just because I was like shook by the situation of what happened and just like how this woman didn't know that she was pregnant but there were some other ones that I did want to talk about too there's one specifically that I just want to mention like as my MVP second favorite one um it's just like one segment so this one the episode that I'm going to talk about it is one woman for the whole like 20 minute segment so that's ultimately why I went with that as opposed to the other person that I really wanted to talk about she only got like one segment in an episode so her story is only like seven or eight minutes but her story is she didn't know she was pregnant until she and her boyfriend or husband or whatever went camping and they were like in the middle of the woods they went to sleep and then when she woke up that morning she had a lot of cramps and was in a lot of pain and her husband like went out to get 
breakfast or whatever and he came back and she was like very obviously in pain but she thought she just had to go to the bathroom so she goes to this like nasty little like you know campground concrete bathroom facility and she's like you know in pain and struggling and she's like something's happening so her like boyfriend comes in and she's like is there something coming out of me and then she just gives birth and like the baby like plops out of her and like falls onto the floor and it's not great because like the baby hits its head and it's very scary and there luckily in like the next campsite over was a nurse who was just like prepared to come in and she like ran in she helped the woman and the husband boyfriend whatever he is out and swaddled the baby and they got her to the hospital and the baby was fine the babies are always fine usually because I was talking to my husband about this I was like the babies are always fine like it's always like despite not having any prenatal care for the entire nine months of the pregnancy and smoking and drinking every single weekend and eating a bunch of junk food and lifting all of these heavy boxes the baby has no health issues and Andrew was just like yeah because they're not going to show a story where the baby is like sick and has fetal alcohol syndrome because of this I was like, yeah, probably a good point. So this is season one, episode four, or or season one, episode two, depending on if you're looking on the TLC app or on IMDb. But it's called Oldest First Time Mother. So we see some preview scenes, the opening title, and then it opens with the reenactors. So I'm going to refer to the people either as reenactor Nick and Susan or actual Nick and Susan because that's how you'll differentiate between the two. So we're introduced to the couple of Nick and Susan. They are British. Um, They're an age gap couple. Susan, in both the reenactors and the talking heads of the actual people, Susan looks much older than Nick. I think their age gap is only 11 years but Susan, I, like, God bless her. I don't know if she had a hard life or if she just, like, took a long time. It was, like, you know, she was kind of old before she invested in a good moisturizer. But Susan looks rough for her age. <laughs> like, she's only, I think, she's 54. That's what it is. Susan's 54 and, like, when the show first starts and then goes up to, like, 57. And the, the reenactor makes her look like she's, like, a solid 68. Like, she's, like, super grandma. And my mom is 50 something what year is it it's 2020 my mom is 57 right now so my mom is susan's age yeah my mom looks way better than susan no shade but maybe it's just because my mom is beautiful so we're told that um they are four years into their relationship and nick and susan have decided that they want to have a baby so we see them the actors reenactors looking at some sort of photo album together talking about how they want to have a kid of their own um and so they like point out and they're like, oh, look at her. So sweet. Can't wait till we have one of our own, like that kind of thing. And I don't know who wrote the script <laughs> or if like the reenactors have just been given free reign to improvise these scenes or what. But my question here is what album are they looking at? Like what children are they looking at that they're like pointing out the children and be like, oh, how precious. Can't wait till we have some of our own. Are they just random children? Are they their family? What's happening here? It it's also seems strange to me, like, why would you reminisce over a photo album before you have kids? <laughs> like, that seems like a very activity that you do when you have kids. So you look back and see, like, oh, our family growing over time. But it's 2020. Who even has, like, actual photo albums anymore? We just all have Facebook and Instagram that we scroll back through. 
or those little like slideshows that our phones make us from our phone photo apps. So we get a talking head here from actual Susan, basically just saying that they really wanted a baby. That would be the icing on the cake that was going to make their life complete. Um, we're told that Nick is 43. Yes, yeah, so this is where we find out Nick is 43. Susan is 54 and she's postmenopausal. Uh, so we're also introduced here to Kristen Ben Dixon. She's a physician with USC Fertility. I'm assuming Southern California and not South Carolina. Uh, so she explains what postmenopausal means, um, meaning a woman has stopped ovulating, so it's highly unlikely that she's going to be able to conceive naturally. So the narrator tells us that the only way she'll be able to conceive is through IVF, in vitro fertilization. However, British medical standards discourage IVF for postmenopausal women. So Dr. Kristen cuts in here to say that women after the age of 45 are going to, they're much more likely to experience complications in the pregnancy. So this is, I have some, some thoughts, some questions here. This is just like general questions about how the British medical system works because I truly have no idea. I mean, I know they have the NHS, which is better than what the U.S. has going on. Um, is IVF covered for for people like in the NHS or is it like an elective thing that you have to pay out of pocket for? Because it seems to me like if it were an elective thing, they would they should still be able to access it within the UK just like not for you know not on the government's dime not paid for via the NHS um but I don't know I thought that was kind of odd of what they end up doing but I'm I don't doubt that it's like a whole ass industry because it sure seems like these clinic owners got it figured the fuck out so actual Susan tells us in her talking head that Nick had shown her an article about IVF abroad um, and they decide basically to go for it. So the next scene, they're in a doctor's office. However, the set for this scene is so poorly lit. It's so fucking dark and scary looking. And I don't know if it's supposed to be because it takes place in like Russia. But it's really just ominous. I don't like the vibes there. The vibes, it did not pass a vibe check. So a doctor with an Eastern European accent enters and she greets them and the narrator says that in May of 2005, Susan and Nick traveled to a Russian clinic that was willing to do the procedure. So like that's, that's the thing is like, it seems like, I don't know if this is going to sound like really sketchy and inappropriate. <laughs> like I don't, don't cancel me. Um, it seems like Eastern Europe, like Russia, Poland is the Mexico of is to Europe, greater Europe, Western Europe, I guess, what Mexico is to the United States in terms of medical clinics of dubious uh, quality, uh, ethics. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for exactly. And I'm not trying to speak to like actual, like legitimate, like Mexican doctors or anything. Like I very much am very pro like, go get your medical and dental work done in Mexico. I'm talking about like the really sketchy, like I'm thinking about like the cancer clinics and stuff. They're like, we can cure your cancer in like Tijuana that are actually quite dangerous. Um, so I don't know, just like the, maybe it's just because of the lighting on the set that I'm just like, is this legit? Like, is this an actual IVS doctor's clinic or is this just like Yvonne's fucking like grandma's back apartment that you just like, 
go in there and he's like, oh yes, I can I can fertilize your egg. It'll be, you know, 10,000 rubles. Um, yeah, sorry if that was also offensive to Russians. <laughs> I don't know. I studied Russian in college, so that's my excuse. All right. So basically we're told that since Susan is postmenopausal, her ovaries no longer produce eggs, so they have to use a donor egg. And the Russian doctor hands them a binder full of women, a binder full of egg donors. Reenactment Nick, reenactment Nick and Susan flip through that. Um, so actual Susan tells us in her talking head that they were looking for a donor who had similar physical features and academic qualifications to her. Basically, you know, they want to try and find a match as close as, as close to Susan as possible. Um, but they couldn't find a match that they liked in Russia. So ultimately they decided not to go through with it, which I gotta, I gotta respect that. However, in the next scene, reenactment Nick is calling to Susan. Um, I guess they're like back at their home in England, calling to Susan, telling her that they could go to Poland for donors. Uh, and then Susan tells us, actual Susan tells us that that's where the first donor egg came from. So I guess that's where they went. So then we kind of learn about like what it takes to get IVS. This is all a very educational program as well as being, you know, like dramatic. <laughs> we get to learn about pregnancy and stuff. So hopefully you guys learn something if you don't already know all of this stuff. Um, so she's injecting herself. We see her in the reenactment injecting herself with like syringes of hormones. She has to like do it straight into her stomach. Uh, the narrator explains that she has to start the course of hormones in order to prepare her body for the fertilized egg. Um, and Susan tells us here in her talking head that she found the experience to be very intrusive. So here's a fun little, a fun little fact about me. In case you didn't know, I actually quite seriously looked into becoming an egg donor back when I was in college. Um, I wanted the money to pay off my student loans. I still want the money to pay off my student loans. I started filling out the application and I was actually pursued by the like egg donor website because I had started at the application and then like I left it off and they like called me even and they're like hey you like started your application we're really interested in you and there are a couple of reasons why I didn't do it one because I knew that you have to like do the hormone thing and that can like fuck you up that sucks like I was totally like willing to do it but that sucks um two I I would have to stop smoking weed <laughs> like I knew I'd have to stop smoking weed you know I was like in college and I didn't want to stop <laughs> and then three um it like had all this stuff where it was like give your entire family's medical history which is valid that makes sense like you want to know that stuff but I was like I don't know I have no fucking clue like what my grandma and grandpa's medical history was and at the time three out of four of them were already dead so I couldn't ask so I didn't know like how I was supposed to do that I could talk to my parents but it was like gonna be a whole thing um you know maybe one day I feel like I'm probably getting on the edge of too old to be an egg donor now but I yeah would have been cool also it would have been like a little bit weird back then also it was like kind of a concern of me being like it's kind of weird to think that there would be like a genetically my child running around in the world but now I'm like really f over that and that doesn't bother me in any sense whatsoever <laughs> but the hormone thing and the idea of like trying to get my entire family's medical history still seems quite daunting 
Um, so then we see a scene of Nick and Susan in some other procedure room. Thank God this one is better lit and not as creepy. She's like actually receiving the fertilized egg. This is the reenactment here. Uh, the narrator tells us that the egg was implanted in Susan's uterus in September of 2005. However, there is no guarantee that a fetus will develop. Dr. Creston pops in here and tells us that the, um, the chance of conceiving an egg in an IVF cycle using a donor egg, or sorry, conceiving, conceiving a baby. <laughs> I read this differently to how I wrote it, and I was trying to like reorganize all of the words in my head as I was speaking them, and it did not work out. So I'm just going to read what I wrote. Dr. Kristen pops in here to tell us that if a woman is using a donor egg, her chance of receiving, of conceiving, I can't even speak, conceiving in an IVF cycle is 60%. So five days after the test, no, five days after the procedure, they do a pregnancy test and it comes up as negative. Of course, they are heartbroken um, and they decide here that they're just going to give up. They had spent a lot of money and then Susan herself had kind of commented on, you know, the state of her stomach, all of the bruises from the injections. Um, and so they just kind of want to stop for now. All right. This is where things get real fucking sketchy again. And this is where I'm like, is this just like, Boris's Boris's fertility clinic in the back room of some warehouse in Moscow like what's happening so it's almost two years later in 2007 they get a call from the fertility clinic in Russia they're told that I don't understand any of this they're told that they have some suitable donor eggs but they'll need to make an immediate decision the donor eggs have already been harvested and must be implanted in the next 12 to 14 hours or they're no longer be viable. What the fuck is happening here? I have so many questions. One, who is the egg donor? Two, why did you just take her eggs with no one to put them in? Three, what? how do you expect someone to just get to Russia from England within 14 hours? I mean, they manage it, I guess. But like, what happens if there's not a flight? Four, this is like, two years after they had been planning on doing IVF, so she's not taking the injections anymore. Her body isn't, like, prepped with the course of hormones. Wh what? So, and then just in general, it just seems rough to be called, told that you have to get to a whole-ass other country. I hope her passport's still valid. Shit. Um, <laughs> you got to get to a whole-ass other country within 12 hours. You had to... Find a flight, take the flight, get off the flight, travel to wherever the fuck this clinic is, and then have a procedure where you're getting implanted with fucking fertilized eggs. Also, who fertilized the eggs? Did they have uh, Nick's sperm? Or is it just like random sperm? Or did, Oh, I think they take Nick's sperm when he gets there. Okay, whatever. Anyway, it was just the harvested eggs. Anyway, I was very confused. And this is why it all seems very, very sketchy and like kind of reminds me of those like sketchy cancer clinics because it's just like they call up all of a sudden they're like yeah we have an egg for you but you have to get here in 14 hours and it's probably like and bring ten thousand dollars like cash so actual nick says that he's the one like he says in his talking head that he's the one who hadn't wanted to go through with it since susan had been through so much the previous times so that she was the one who pushed for them to go for it so the next scene just immediately cuts over to the reenactors in the Russian clinic and the narrator tells us that within hours they're there and the three donor eggs have been fertilized with Nick's sperm and now are being implanted in her uterus. And I just don't know how this happened so quickly. So then actual Susan has a talking head too where she says, um, 
she's like, the thing is, we're tr- the thing we're trying to get our heads around is the fact that we had such a short time to do it. I'm like, bitch, me too. I'm trying to get my head around this too. So then after five agonizing days of waiting, the couple braces themselves for the news. She takes her pregnancy test and Nick tells her that they're pregnant. No, Nick tells her. And she tells Nick that they're pregnant. And of course, they are ecstatic. But then four weeks later, it's August 2007. Susan wakes up one night bleeding and we get a commercial break here. So um, since the show took a commercial here, I will as well. So when it comes back from commercial, we get a recap from the narrator, um, which we don't need because it's been on for like 10 minutes so far. Basically, just after years of trying IVF, Susan and Nick are pregnant. This time around, though, we didn't see this in the first little bit. We get to see reenactment actor Nick scream very enthusiastically when Susan shows him the positive pregnancy test. So that's kind of fun. Um, So then we see her bleeding. Uh, The next day, she calls her doctor because she's still hemorrhaging. Why would you just call your doctor and not go to the fucking doctor? Like, you're 54 years old at this point. No, 56 years old, I guess, because she, it's two years after her original IVF round or time that she tried it or whatever. Um, you know you're a high-risk pregnancy because you're postmenopausal. You know that you, your pregnancy is extremely expensive because you paid, you know, thousands of dollars to get IVF. Why the minute that you see, like, if I were her, a, a drop of blood and I would be, my ass would be in the emergency room. I would be like, hook me up to all the monitors. Like, I'm not losing this baby. Like, or, you know, whatever you need to do. But instead, she's just like, yeah, I think I'll call my doctor because it's been 12 hours and I haven't stopped bleeding yet. Weird. Um, so the doctor tells her, or reenactment Susan tells Nick that the doctor tells her that she's obviously had a miscarriage. Um, again, but like why you still have to go to the doctor after you have a miscarriage and get, you know, things checked out and make sure that there's like not still tissue in there. Because if there is, that can really affect things and hurt you later on. None of this seems to be a concern. Um, so, yeah, Dr. Kristen pops in. She tells us that the most common symptoms of miscarriage are bleeding and uterine cramping. Nick and Susan, of course, are devastated, and we see a reenactment shot of them sitting on the couch crying, so that's sad. Um, the narrator tells us that her heavy blood loss continued throughout the fall of 2007, which, again, is nuts to me. Like, what? Are you he- heavy blood lust is blood bloodlust <laughs> oh god I don't know if that was a Freudian slip or what um <laughs> blood loss heavy blood loss is like going on for months at a time and you're like chill about this I don't understand how you could like there's not that much blood in your body <laughs> um so we see a scene of her sitting in a doctor's office and she tells us in her talking head that she was told that the excess bleeding or the heavy bleeding was just the body's way of getting rid of all the excess tissue after a miscarriage also <laughs> in the uh in the reenactment here she's like talking to the doctor and then like as the doctor is walking away he's like well it was great to see you again, which does not feel appropriate in this context. Like, I would not want my doctor to tell me while I'm, like, having a miscarriage that it was great to see me. So Susan tells us in her talking head that she was very tired all of the time. Um, and then over the holidays that winter, she also begins to lose weight. She says she often has no appetite, and she ended up losing 23 pounds. 
She had other symptoms as well. Her stomach would be bloated and she would have like feelings of flutterings in her stomach. Um, but 23 pounds is a lot of fucking weight to lose. And Susan already, just like based on the actor that they have cast for her and the way that she looks <clears throat> in her talking heads, she looks like she's a fairly like small woman already. So 23 pounds on like a fairly small frame is going to be a big fucking difference. <clears throat> oh, also in this like little reenactment scene, <laughs> we have a very British moment of Nick telling Susan to drink some tea. And he's like, tea will make it better. And she's like, well, it always does, doesn't it? Which is very British. So then in late January 2008, she finally makes an appointment with a different doctor. Thank God. Um, so she tells him his sim- er, about her symptoms. And the doctor says that... Um, or the doctor discovers that there was a suspicious abdominal mass in her, the lower part of her abdomen. So he orders an ultrasound and leaves the room. And then this is at least in the inner, the reenactment, we see him leaving the room. And so then Susan creeps on over to her chart and snoops and discovers that the doctor is suspecting that she has ovarian cancer. Now, I believe that everyone has a right to their medical chart. But in this moment, it's like the same day as her initial appointment and of having just described the symptoms. And so it's like, okay, doctor's initial like, you know, response is like, hmm, this is a 57-year-old woman who's, you know, I'm not going to think that she's pregnant. So my thought is like ovarian cancer. But still, like, we have to confirm these things. So that's why he orders the test. But... She's freaking out. Uh, the narrator tells us here that cancer of the ovaries is the most deadly form of female reproductive cancer. And by the time it's detected, it's usually too late to be effectively treated. So she's like thinking that she's going to die and she's immediately freaking out. We have another commercial break here. <laughs> but this one's fun because we get a true or false trivia question. So true or false, you should eat... Tw- twice as much as normal during your pregnancy to ensure a healthy baby. False. So this is what I thought was kind of interesting. So it tells us it's false. Pregnant women only need to take in an extra 300 calories per day, which seems really low. Like it seems like, like can't you burn like 300 calories like in an hour just like running? I feel like you need more than 300 calories a day to make a human, but apparently not. So the narrator gives us another fucking recap. Like, thank you. This is a 20-minute show, and we've seen 10 minutes of it so far. Thank you for recapping those 10 minutes. Uh, Dr. Kristen comes back on screen to tell us the symptoms of ovarian cancer, abdominal bloating, discomfort, fatigue. Who needs WebMD when you have this woman freaking you out? Oh, here's a fun fun fact. Um, WebM- speaking of WebMD, they're this, one of the, like, top execs at WebMD, like, when it first started or whatever, I think he left the company in like 2005. Um, he founded the Temple of the Universe in Gainesville, Florida, which I went to while I was in school a couple times. One time, I think. Uh, kind of seems like it might be a cult, but also was really cool. So that's kind of fun. Um, WebMD always makes me think about Temple of the Universe now, which is two things that I would not think would be related, but apparently are. So Susan makes this great decision, which I do not agree with. So she decides to call Nick before her ultrasound and tell him that she has cancer. 
girl, like we don't even have a confirmation on this diagnosis yet. The doctor didn't even tell you what the diagnosis was yet. Like he didn't even tell you what he's expecting. You only found that out because you snooped. Slow your roll a little bit. Don't drag Nick into this freaking him the fuck out over like what's essentially turns out to be nothing, but you don't know what it is or isn't yet. Um, so <laughs> Nick says in his talking head, she said, this is the end of me, which is very dramatic. Uh, so Susan asks Nick to get to the hospital as soon as he can, and he walks into the ultrasound room. Or no, she walks into the ultrasound room. Okay, I'm sorry. So she's, like, on the phone with him on, like, a payphone in the middle of the hospital or whatever. She hangs up. We see her in the reenactment walk into the ultrasound room. So I know that this is a set, but this set makes no fucking sense to me because she's going to get an ultrasound. So, like, and it's an ultrasound for what's suspected ovarian cancer. So my guess is it's going to be like an internal ultrasound, like with a wand. You need a side room for that. You do not need this big ass giant room that she goes into with a fucking MRI machine in the back. Like there's literally an MRI machine on this set, which I wonder how often they even use that, like as part of this set. <laughs> But it's just like, they're not going to send you into an MRI room to get an ultrasound done, right? Like, you can get an, I go to, I get ultrasounds done, well, I've only had one done. It was when I got my IUD. But, like, I had it done at my clinic that I go to that's, like, in an office building, basically. Like, there's no need to be in this big-ass MRI room. So, the MRI machine threw me off. So, here we have the narrator. The scan does reveal a diagnosis, but it's not the one Susan was expecting. And so actual Susan tells us in her talking head that the ultrasound tech told her congratulations. And she thought, why would you say that to a woman who's got ovarian cancer? But of course, he's telling her congratulations because she's pregnant. So she says that I said, thank you very much. And I went to get up. And then I sort of stopped and said, excuse me, what did you say? So Susan has found out that she is not dying of ovarian cancer, but instead is pregnant at the age of 57. So of course she says here that it was a roller coaster of emotions. One minute she was thinking that her life was over, and the next she was realizing that her life was just about to begin. So the ultrasound tech tells her that she looks to be about 29 and a half weeks. Um, Susan had no idea that she was pregnant. She hadn't had any of the normal symptoms like cravings or morning sickness. Um, she just had the bloating, really. And so then Nick arrives at the hospital, thinking, of course, that his wife had just been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And Susan tells him that they're pregnant. Um, so shout out to Nick, uh, Nick's reenactor here. He really killed it with his, his reaction shot there. And then the narrator explains, basically, that Susan was uh, implanted with three eggs at the clinic. And she did miscarry two of them, but she stayed pregnant with a surviving egg. And I guess because she never went to the fucking doctor after her miscarriage to get things checked out, that's why they didn't find it out. So this this episode, like, I, I love it because it's, like, really interesting to me that this woman is so old and she was pregnant and she was pregnant for the first time ever. Um, but, like, what really shook me to my very core is just the fact that this episode, she lost 23 pounds like I can't get over that um so there are like our other episodes that I think are more interesting in that they don't find out that they're pregnant until much much later to the point of being like 
50, no, not 50, (laughs) 37 weeks, like 39 weeks, 40 weeks, but giving birth. Um, So 29 and a half seems kind of like for this show kind of early in the pregnancy, but still like I thought it was cool. Um, So then it cuts to a new scene with a doctor and the narrator tells us that Susan's postmenopausal age and her lack of prenatal care make her pregnancy extremely high risk. We see another talking head from Dr. Kristen who says that a 57-year-old woman would be at much higher risk of diabetes or high blood pressure during pregnancies, as well as just a higher risk of complications for the baby itself. So at this point, Susan will be getting weekly ultrasounds, um, and then we see this on reenactment. We see um, the time that Nick and Susan Susan see the heartbeat for the first time, and they find out that they're going to have a little girl. We're told that once the baby reaches full term at 37 weeks, the doctor has decided that it's time to deliver via C-section because there could be issues if she went into labor naturally. So on March 25th, 2008, Susan is prepped for the C-section and Dr. Kristen explains that an older woman might need a C-section because her uterus might not contract as well and there are more likely to be placental issues as well. So Susan receives her epidural and C-section begins. Um, The reenactment set here is also lit very poorly, like the clinic in Russia set, and it's very dark and spooky. And again, I don't like it. It makes it seem very ominous. Um, The narrator explains that Susan's age makes the procedure especially high risk for both mom and baby. She's at risk of having a low birth weight baby, which of course is like associated with a bunch of complications later on. And then also, I think this is the first time it's ever explicitly said, but right now the narrator tells us that after two years of IVF, a miscarriage, and a surprise pregnancy, Susan is about to become the oldest first-time mother in England. Um, So that was really cool. Like, I didn't realize that, I mean, I I did, obviously, when I, like, watched it the second time, but the first time I ever watched it, I didn't really realize that, like, this was the first, she was the oldest first-time mother in England. Uh, so the reenactment doesn't really build the drama here because like immediately we hear a baby crying and the doctor goes, well, here she is. <laughs> and of course, like they pull out the baby and it's like a fucking 12 month old. <laughs> like it's a grown ass baby. It's not a newborn. But what can you do when you're reenacting things with a baby? You got to have an older baby. You can't, you can't bring a newborn into the set. <laughs> um, so the doctor no, the, narr- the narrator says that the doctors are still unsure of the baby's health status since she didn't receive any prenatal care until 29 and a half weeks. However, she is a healthy full-term baby. They name her Freya Lucia, which I don't know if, I think that's just her first and middle name. I'm not exactly sure what her last name is because her mom and her dad have different last names, which I'll go into. Um, but yeah, Freya Lucia is a healthy full-term baby. And also I think Susan has Norwegian heritage, which explains the name Freya. <laughs> Cause when I first heard that, I was like, damn, what a name for two, like just, you know, random English people. But like, if you're English with Norwegian family, that makes far more sense. Um, Nick cuts the umbilical cord. It's gross. Um, and then Susan cuddles her baby and her and Nick whisper sweet nothings to each other and to little baby Freya. So then we have kind of the recap of the show. The narrator says, so how is it possible that Susan didn't know she was pregnant? So Susan again says here that she had no symptoms. And even though she had the three eggs implanted, it never occurred to her that she could still be pregnant with one after the miscarriage. 
Dr. Kristen says that in pregnancy with multiple implantation, it, it is quite common to lose one or more of the pregnancies and have one survive. However, it's pretty uncommon that the surviving pregnancy would go undetected for a significant amount of time. So that's why this is quite remarkable. And then, of course, Susan lost 23 fucking pounds during the course of her pregnancy. Um, that's what fucks me up every single time I think about this. And it scares me to my core because it's just like... What if I didn't know I was pregnant and I was just losing weight and I never looked pregnant and I never had any symptoms of pregnancy and then they were like, just kidding, you're 30 weeks pregnant and yeah, that would be terrifying. It's like, what do you do at that point? Not in North Carolina. North Carolina has a 20-week abortion ban. Can't get an abortion in North Carolina. Ay ay ay. Um, Of course, uh, the baby is healthy, like I mentioned, and the baby's health was unaffected by the fact that she lost weight. I wonder why she lost weight, though. Like, that's just so weird to me. And she attributed the fatigue and the bloating that she experienced to the depression that she had after her miscarriage. Um, Although I wonder if she would have been nearly as depressed if she had gone to the doctor and found out that she was still pregnant with the baby. Um... And Dr. Kristen even says here that both pregnancy and, or early pregnancy and ovarian cancer can have similar symptoms, including bloating, increase in abdominal girth, nausea, and fatigue. So the last little scene we get is with real Susan and Nick at home with their daughter. Susan is now 58 and her daughter is nine months old and they're both in perfect health. And Nick says that the last nine months have been the best parts of their lives. Susan calls Freya their miracle baby. Um, however, there is a really cute little fluffy white puppy puppy that's on the couch in this scene, and I am far more interested in that instead. And that's the end. Uh, so there is a Where Are They Now? I was actually very impressed with myself that I was able to find this information. Um, but it wasn't actually that hard because I was like, okay, Susan is the oldest first time mother in England. Let's see if this shit's true. So I Google, she's not the oldest first time mother in England anymore. That title was taken by another woman who gave birth at fucking 64, I think, which is crazy. Um, but she, I was able to find her. her uh, she and Nick have since split up, which is kind of sad. Um, <laughs> apparently Nick was not really pulling his weight after Freya was born. Uh, Susan said in an article that he was still going out to the pubs and going out for his cricket matches or watching his cricket matches. And um, he, she figured that it would be better for her to just be a single mom than be partnered and unhappy. Uh, so men remain trash. <laughs> men are and remain trash. <laughs> Things don't change. Uh, Susan retired from her position as a special needs teacher and now focuses on spending her time with Freya as a single mom. And she doesn't regret having Freya, but she does regret becoming a mother so late because she has a lot of worries about aging and leaving Freya alone and just what will happen in the event that, you know, she ages and dies and something happens to her. Also, I found that she apparently was scammed twice on the internet, resulting in her losing losing over 200,000 pounds, which is really sad. Um, Stop trusting people on the internet, Susan. We don't, you don't need to do that. Nick, I looked for stuff. I couldn't find him. His name is his name is Nick Mayer, which is like quite generic. And he's not the oldest first time father in England. So there's like no distinguishing identifier to search for him. So I couldn't really find anything there. Um, Freya is now like 12, I believe. Yes, she was born in 2008. It's 2020. So she is 12. That's math, right? Um, there, you can see pictures of her online if you Google Susan, um, like England's 
first time oldest mom or whatever there's some really cute pictures of both her and susan wearing like traditional norwegian outfits um yeah she looks really cute and then the narrator (laughs) i went ahead and i looked him up too because he was a he was a character uh just because you know i was on imdb and it was as easy as clicking on his page his name is dave wittenberg he still does a ton of voice work he's still a working voice actor uh looks like he's mostly doing video games now instead of a lot of tv shows but yeah good for you dave um and then does it hold up slash is it worth a rewatch uh, it definitely holds up. I mean, like, I didn't know I was pregnant. It, yeah, it's like, it's fine. It's still good. It's still wild times. Um, there wasn't anything too terribly dated that I noticed in any of the episodes that I did watch. And it's fun. It's kind of, it's the same. It's a lot of the same thing. It's a lot of the same kind of story of just like, I was like gaining weight, but not a lot of weight. And I missed my period for a few months but I was still spotting a little bit and I didn't use a condom but also I like wasn't worried about getting pregnant so I got pregnant and I didn't know so yeah it's pretty good I only watched when I was re-watching for this episode I only watched episodes from the first season so I don't know if it gets any more interesting later on in some of the other seasons but I think it's pretty just standard with these sorts of shows it's kind of the same thing over and over again All right, guys. Well, that is it for this week. Um, Like I said at the top of the show, I am going to be moving to an every other week format for the time being. So I won't be here next week, but the following week I will be here. Um, Hopefully that should be a pretty good episode. I am supposed to have a guest, a repeat guest, actually, and I'm very, very excited for. Uh, Hopefully you guys will all enjoy that as well. But in the meantime, um, please give this a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or all of the other places. Subscribe if you have haven't already tell a friend about the podcast everything means it all means something to me it all it all means a lot to me I appreciate everything that people do um you can find me on Facebook at snapback to reality podcast on Instagram at snapback to reality pod you can follow my personals at really underscore Riley for my personal Instagram or Riley said so on my Twitter or TikTok I'm not posting that much right now but you know that's because Life is hard, and hopefully with moving this to an every other week format, I'll feel less stressed and more inspired and more creatively outputting things on a bunch of different platforms. Um, and of course, you can always email me at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. All right, you guys, thank you once again for being here and being part of this. I really do appreciate it. I will talk to you in a few weeks. Stay safe, stay healthy. A big thank you to everyone who is out there on the front lines, all of the essential workers, all of the people who are doing the work at home. If you're a parent, that's essential work that goes really unappreciated. So my thoughts are with you as well. I love you all. Have a wonderful week. Bye.